And uh, this, this session is going to be about going deeper with put off, put on. And um, as you'll see on your notes, uh, the put off, put on principle of sanctification is an essential insight for biblical counseling and discipleship. Uh, why are we talking about this in track three? It's because I'm convinced that we grow as counselors, both when we add more tools and when we dust off and sharpen the tools we use or should use all the time. And I think it's probably the case for many of you that some of the most significant things you could do to grow as a biblical counselor is not necessarily to learn a bunch of things you've never heard before, but to become more skillful and biblical and wise in making use of the truths and tools that you already have. So that's the aim of this session. Um, two goals, the first one being reviewing the put-off, put-on principle. We won't spend a lot of time on that. And then growing in how we make use of this principle in counseling. And I've got five ideas for you. But let's first read Ephesians 4, and especially, since this is the first session of the day, it'd be good just to open your day with the Word of God and with time and prayer. So Ephesians 4, I'm going to start reading in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy practice, every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Uh, where we, by faith, see ourselves in this text, that we are those who no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. And we are no longer filled with ignorance of you. And we have learned Christ. We have been taught in him. And we acknowledge you. We give you all the glory for that. Thank you for sending Jesus and for sending your spirit, so that the truth about Jesus could be received by us and change our hearts. Father, I pray that in this session and in this whole day, that you would renew the spirit of our minds so that we would be able uh, first for, for our, own, our own sanctification to put on the new man created after the likeness of God, to put off the old self that belonged to our former manner of life, And I pray that you would make us also more skillful and biblical in the way that we're able to minister this truth and this principle to others so that in everything, uh, Jesus, the one in whom 
people become new creations so that so that he might receive glory from our counseling ministries and even from our own lives. And we want to commit this day of learning, this day of mind renewal to you now. And we ask you to do more good things than we could think to ask you for. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, preview. Here's the table of contents. Here are my five strategies growing in how you can make use of put off, put on. One, apply the principle in specifics. This should be all on your notes. Two, draw out the godly alternatives that are right there in the Bible verses, passages that address the sins you're working on. Three, keep the principle in its broader context, which is the gospel. Four, emphasize the need for ongoing renewal of the mind. And five, see the need for the body of Christ and putting off and putting on. That, that's where we're going. But first, let's review. Uh, what are we talking about? Well, the, the put off, put on is the principle of sanctification observed in the Bible that you cannot reject sinful habits unless you replace them with new righteous ones. You can't just tell people, stop it. The, the way to put away an ungodly habit <laughs> is to pick up a godly one. You can't, you can't just expel unrighteousness. You have to exchange it for new holiness. Another way to say it, you cannot merely empty your life of sin. You must also fill your life with holiness and ministry. And those verses in Matthew, uh, Sinclair Ferguson used just to illustrate this principle. So follow along the quote printed on your handout. He, Sinclair Ferguson said, There is no growth in holiness unless both the negative and the positive elements are present. Some of us tend to think of sanctification largely, if not entirely, as a battle against sin. The mortification of sin is indeed vital. Owen, John Owen was right. If we're not killing sin, it will be killing us. But sin is never truly mortified by mortification alone. To borrow from our Lord's parable, if we only empty the house, mortify sin, without filling it, putting on graces, the devils will simply return in greater force. And elsewhere, Ferguson wrote, sweeping the house clean simply leaves us open to further invasion of sin. It's good to, to remember this because you may feel like this is old hat. I've been using this truth in counseling all the time, but you can start to assume, therefore, that the people that you're counseling also have heard these things all the time. Bring this back up to the front burner as far as, as what you teach people in counseling and what you're aiming for. If you don't replace sin with its opposite, then people will likely soon revert back to sin. Further, God's goal is not to blot out our sins and make us a blank canvas. His goal is to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. Uh, your goal in counseling is not to, to borrow a phrase from an uh, old friend of mine. It's not to make someone as righteous as a fence post. <laughs> fence post doesn't cuss, doesn't drink, doesn't, you know, smoke or chew or go with girls who do, doesn't, uh, I don't know, fill in the blank. Every sin in the Bible. Fence post is never sinless, sinlessness. 
okay, God wants to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ, which includes a lot of positive graces. What about actively showing love and, and mercy, prayer? His goal is to make you like Jesus. All right, there are three main texts that affirm this principle very explicitly. There's more than that, actually, that that use the principle, but three use the language of put off, put on. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, we just read. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. If you want to put a marker there in your Bible, we'll, we'll turn to that some too. I'll just read that. 3, 9 and 10. Don't lie to one another. Seeing you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Very similar to Ephesians 4. Another one that uses the same verbs, Romans 13, 12 through 14. It says, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. Then let us cast off, the verb put off, the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, Sensuality, quarreling, jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So, I mean, here's here's one other practical tip for how to use this principle in counseling. Uh, teach it to your counselees actually using these texts that explicitly affirm it. And these texts have all kinds of verses around them that that apply this principle to very specific sins and and the, the corresponding righteous alternatives. All right, battling against sin then is only half the battle if you want to experience true godly change. Uh, here's an illustration from Jerry Bridges. Also on your handout, he says, I like to think of this twofold approach of putting off and putting on as represented by the two blades and a pair of scissors. We readily recognize that a single scissors blade is useless as far as doing the job for which it was designed. The two blades must work in conjunction with each other to be effective. And the scissors illustrate a spiritual principle. We must work simultaneously at putting off the characteristics of our old selves and putting on the characteristics of the new selves. One without the other is not effective. Some believers seem to focus on putting off sinful practices but give little attention to what they are to put on. Too often the lives of such people become hard and brittle and probably self-righteous because they tend to equate godliness with a defined list of don'ts. Other believers tend to focus on putting on certain positive traits like love, compassion, kindness, but if they don't pay attention to the don'ts of Scripture, they can become careless in morality and ethics. We need the dual focus of putting off and putting on. Each should receive equal attention from us. That's so important. Uh, if you are counseling someone and, and you think, wow, they are just really not making progress. They really have a, having a lot of trouble, it seems, putting off this habit of sin. Well, run their situation through this filter. Consider how much thought and prayer and effort are they putting into starting new habits of holiness. Habits of holiness that go far beyond simply not doing X or Y sin. Okay, there's uh, one other note of review, I guess. Um, the language of put off, put on in the New Testament, this is clothing imagery. This might be helpful to paint this picture when explaining these texts to those you're discipling and counseling. Um, and the, these verbs in the Bible 
are used elsewhere to speak very concretely about changing clothes, taking off and putting on clothes. And Paul used this imagery of, of changing clothes to describe our salvation in Christ, to describe how we're to live as Christians, right? Put on the armor of God, put on the armor of light. He, he said in the resurrection, um, we, we are going to be unclothed that uh, we're going to put before the resurrection, put off these bodies, but not so that we would remain unclothed. So we would be further clothed. So we would put on new resurrection bodies that are like Christ. So that the picture is believers need to rid themselves of their old sinful habits. Like they're taking off dirty clothes that they don't have to wear anymore because of what Jesus did. And, and then to dress themselves in these new, uh, incorruptible garments, new Christ-like righteous habits. Okay, so uh, that that's the principle. Any questions on just the principle, which we we reviewed very quickly before we talk about some of these specifics of how to minister it well and perhaps better? Okay, well, yes. So uh, Colossians three obviously talks about the same. Yes. I think that's excellent, and we're we're headed there. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. If when we head there, you have uh, further thoughts beyond what I say, please do uh, share them. Yeah, thank you. Okay, first strategy. One, apply the put-off, put-on principle in specifics. In specifics. And just like our brother helpfully pointed out, um, Paul does this. So my ideas for how to apply this better, I'm, I'm trying to learn from the Bible itself. How does the Bible apply this principle? Um, Paul says the principle in Ephesians 4, 22 through 25, put off, put on. But then there's a table on your notes that spells this out. Uh, he, he applies it. So look at verse 25 after he says, put off, put on. Verse 25, therefore... Having put away, that's actually the same verb, having put off falsehood. Let each one speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The liar doesn't stop being a liar just by closing his mouth. If, if he's just being quiet, he's in between lies. He becomes a liar when he starts being a truth teller. And then verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down of your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. So put off anger, put on eagerness to reconcile. And then verse 28, here's another very explicit, put off, put on. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with those in need. Again, if a thief is is just not stealing, maybe he's in between jobs, right? When is, when is he really changed? When he's working hard so that he can give and bless others. Um, verse 29, here's another put off, put on. Re, uh, replacement. Necessary for growth in Christ. 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but rather, don't just be quiet, 
Only such is good for building others up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. If someone is, is in a habit of unwholesome speech to their spouse, they're, what you should aim them at is you need to learn to speak in a way that gives grace to these people, that builds them up. That's a far higher thing that they should be aiming at than just would stop being so critical. The same pattern in 31-32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away. There's the verb again, put off. How? By, by putting on this in verse 32. Be kind, tender harder, forgiving as God in Christ forgave you. you. And then there's another example in chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Put off, you know, sexually immor- sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness. Uh, no filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, which are out of place. But again, he doesn't just say that. He goes on to say what to put on instead. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So learn what the Apostle Paul did here. He, he taught the principle, but then he got specific. He got really specific. So don't settle. Don't let your counselee settle for having only a vivid understanding of what sin looks like in the details of their life. They probably have that. That's why they want counseling. They know exactly what the sin that they should put off looks like. We'll try to also get a a vivid, concrete, specific picture of what the biblical alternative would look like. And then pray and plan and make provision for those specifics. Romans said, put on the Lord Jesus, make no provision for the flesh. What, what kind, how much intentionality and forethought do you put into making no provision for the flesh? We're going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're going to do this. You're going to think this. You're going to memorize that. All for the sake of setting yourself up not to carry out this work of the flesh. Make provision in specifics for actually walking out a specific godly alternative. We're going to plan this. We're going to do this. You're going to not do this. Uh, you're, you're going to memorize this. You're going to think about this to make provision for set yourself up to actually being able to concretely walk out this new habit of holiness. Uh, you've probably heard this many times, but I'll remind you, Randy Patton, his classic line, change doesn't happen in fuzzy land. If you want to help others change, get specifics in what they're aiming at. Okay. Don't be general in the way that you talk about the new self that they're supposed to put on. Now, one way to be very specific about the new self they're supposed to put on, you don't have to just try and make stuff up. Number two, draw out the godly alternatives that are right there in the Bible verses, passages that address the sins you're working on. They are right there. So be an expository counselor. You don't even... A lot of times you don't have to say, look, here's this Bible verse about the sin that you're committing. Now let's turn to this other Bible verse that says what you should be doing instead. A lot of times you can point to something right there in the same verse or passage and say, this is what you should be doing instead. And the connections that the scripture makes about what should be put off and what should be put on as an alternative are amazing. And, and sometimes they're so, they're surprising. And, and they show what the true heart is of, of certain sins. And one, one example is the last one that I shared from Ephesians, Ephesians 5. Put off sexual immorality and impurity. And what were you supposed to put on instead of sexual immorality? Thankfulness. Wow. 
What does that expose? That exposes what, what, what is driving sexual morality? It's covetousness. It's discontentment. You're not grateful for what God has given, given you. Uh, what drives sexual morality is greed. You need to repent of being greedy and you need to be thankful. So the, again, the, the, these biblical alternatives are really, really amazing. Uh, I'm going to give you some examples just from my own somewhat recent counseling, and, and hopefully this will just uh, be, be something that maybe you catch a little more. You catch having these, these kinds of Bible-reading glasses to be able to, to draw out put-ons from the Scripture. So turn to Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. So I, I shared this verse with um, someone that I was counseling who was living in secret sin. Um, they, it was it was sexual a kind of sexual morality, secret sin, and so I wanted to minister this truth. At first, I thought, well, here we go, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. I'll read at the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Okay, so the, what's the put off I'm trying to lead him to there? Put off doing evil in secret because it, it's not so secret. God's going to bring every deed done in darkness into judgment. Okay, well, what, any ideas? What do you think, what is the, what is a corresponding put on that that I encouraged him to do from these verses. Okay, yes, fear God. Fear God. What else? Keep his commandments. That's right. Uh, think you could and you could get specific there. Think of instead of secret sin, pick two specific commandments that you want to pray in the fear of God and meditate on and focus. I just want to keep those commandments. I want to keep those commandments. I want to keep those commandments. Not just don't sin in private, don't sin in private, don't sin in private. Okay? All right, what else? Any other any other thoughts? Okay, I'll give you one. This is what I encouraged him in. Uh, the end of verse 14, God will bring every secret thing to judgment, whether good or evil. God will bring every secret good into judgment and do what? Reward it. The Sermon on the Mount says. So I encouraged him as a put on. Here's, I want you to, to make plan for and actually do a lot of secret good for your wife that no one else knows about. Don't tell me. Don't tell her. And, and see what is that cultivating in him? If he does that, that's cultivating in him a heart of how do I want to use my, my private time? I want to use my private time for seeking God's reward and doing good to the wife that God has given me. And I think God used that in his life. Okay. Hebrews 10, turn, turn to this. It was someone who was withdrawing. I, I sensed was withdrawing at some level from the, the, uh, fellowship of a church and, and therefore was becoming spiritually sluggish, somewhat. And Hebrews connects these things. Uh, don't, right, don't drift away from this great salvation. 
Hebrews says we, we want you to show the same kind of earnestness, uh, firm to the end, to inherit the promises. So Hebrews ministers to, to those who in part are tempted to become spiritually sluggish and drift away. And he says, as one put on that corresponds to that, be a part of the fellowship. So Hebrews 10, 25, look, they're not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All right. How we usually just use this verse in, in just the put off, right? Hey, don't miss church. You need to put off skipping small group. And that's, that's a good application of this verse. But what this verse calls them to is something a lot higher. Not just don't forsake the assembling of the saints. The put on that the verse says right here. That's opposite of forsaking the assembling is not a symbol. It's not show up. It's actually doing something when you're there. Verse 25 says encouraging one another. And notice 25 doesn't start a new sentence, not neglecting to meet together. That's building on another put on in verse 24. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So sister, this is what you need to aim for. Keep coming to church, but, but come with this strategy. You are going to seek out other people there and, and think, how can I agitate them? To, to be motivated to pursue good works. How could God use me to encourage another brother while I'm here? To encourage a sister while I'm here? Okay, right? That, that's a very important put on that sets someone's heights appropriately higher than just don't stop coming to the fellowship. And it's right there. It's beautiful. It's right there in the passage. Um, you know, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to bypass these other examples. Because somehow it's already almost 9.30. But if we have time, I'll come back to them. Hopefully, you you, you get the gist, right? Oh, secret sin. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, I'll just describe these other ones while you're writing them down furiously. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12, it it talks about... um, don't, not being idle, working with your hands. But, but then the, in the context, it's the wider principle of putting on is, is loving one another. I've seen that when I made that connection, putting off idleness, the righteous alternative is putting on not just taking care of your own business, but loving others. That was actually really helpful to me in my own fight against like procrastination and idleness. If, if I'm just thinking about idleness in self-interested ways, like, you know, if I don't work now, I'm probably going to pay for it later. I can usually negotiate with myself, you know, and just like, okay, well, I'll pay the cost later. But if I remember, you know what I'm not doing by choosing procrastination and idleness right now? I'm not loving someone. Someone is being negatively affected by my choice to, to walk in procrastination right now. Maybe it's my wife, maybe it's my kids, maybe it's my church family, maybe it's you guys who are going to have to listen to me lecture. But but if I can remember, I need to put on love for others right now. That that was really helpful to me. But again, that I found that that put on was just look at the wider context, and you'll get really good ideas. All right, does anyone still need this page? 
All right. Another practical idea of how to do this is, um, you know, let your counselee and the Holy Spirit do some of your work for you. <laughs> so assign them a passage of scripture to study. I assume you do that sometimes. If you give them questions, answer these questions. Make this one of the questions. What righteous alternatives does this passage point you to that you should put on uh, that, that, it, that will oppose and work against the sin that you're supposed to put off? And you know what? They may come up with some great insights about sins they need to put on from the passage that, that you didn't even think of. So um, put it on them. All right, next, strategy for growing and how we minister the put-off, put-on principle, also with which um, our brother uh, put, uh, moved us, nudged us in this direction. Keep the put-off, put-on principle in its broader biblical context, which is the gospel, salvation and faith in Christ, union with him in his death and resurrection. So notice in Ephesians 4 that put-off, put-on those are not commands. They're statements of fact. Um, it technically it, it they're infinitives, but but they're based on the previous verse that says this is how you learned Christ. You learned Christ to do this. He's not telling them what they need to do. He's telling them what they have done, what has happened to them in Christ. And and this is even. More clear in the parallel passage in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 9 and 10 doesn't command put off, put on in these verses. It says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And you have put on the new self. When you teach believers you need to put off, put on, do you also teach them, if you're a believer, you have put off and put on? How? When? Well, okay, if you look up to, to the beginning of chapter 3 of Colossians, it, it, it talks about how we have died with Christ, we have been raised with Christ, and, and when Christ returns in glory, we will return in glory with Christ. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again, and we, with him, we have died, we have risen, and we will come again in glory. When he appears, uh, then you also will appear with him in glory. So that's how, that's how you and all Christians, in one sense, already have put off the old self, have put on the new, by, by virtue of union with Christ in his death. That, that is when, objectively, your old self has been put off. And in his resurrection, that is when, objectively, if you trust him, your new self has been Put on the moment his resurrection counts as yours. Okay, so then what I want you to see is what Colossians does is it, and like Ephesians 4, it tells believers that they still now need to actively, they need to put off, put on, but it's on the basis of this already accomplished reality that they already have. So right after Colossians 3 says, you have put on the new self. Then in verse 12, it's, it says, therefore put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. And what, what I'm trying to emphasize to you on this point is if you just skip to their duty in verse 12 and don't minister it on the basis of the truth of verse 10, 
then we're missing a lot of the power. We're, 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 we're not ministering this truth in, in the way the Bible does exactly. Similarly, in Colossians 3, 8, 9, he says, you must put away all of these things. But, but then he grounds it in verse 9, because you have put off the old self. It, not just because it's the right thing to do, but, but because of what is genuinely true about you in Christ. Become what you already are in Christ. Live out the reality of the gospel. Similarly, earlier in Colossians 3, it says, You have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Therefore, put to death all these things. You see the pattern then. And here's the pattern in a diagram. The put-off, put-on commands depend on the put-off, put-on settled truths of salvation in Christ. Yes. Yeah, and it's the achievement of Christ. It's resting in, yes, what he has done. That's right. So so this, here's why this is so helpful, is because we, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. If someone is not trusting in the work of Christ and the grace that is available to them because of what Christ has done, we should not expect them to be able to put off, put on in a way that is true righteousness from the heart. You abide in this truth that I have put off the old self because of the death of Jesus. And so therefore I can put off these sin practices regardless of my track record of failure in the past. My ability to put off sin is not based on my track record in the past. It's based on what Jesus did on the cross. And, and my ability to put on new habits of righteousness is not based on how successful I've been trying to do that in the past. It's based on the resurrection of Jesus after he died for my sins. And, and you, so you need to minister this truth in this way and get them to meditate on what Jesus has done. And to trust, I have put off, I have put on because of his death and resurrection. And so therefore, I can put on righteousness. I can put off sin. And, and that kind of um, faith in Christ effort towards sanctification is the biblical balance of how to pursue sanctification in a gospel-centered way. And this is just one biblical framework for how to teach people that use the framework of put off put on to teach people that yes 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 yeah yeah, no, I think that's really good. And, and I would add, you know, I would just, I would want to add to that in addition to say that, that the put off and the put on is, is not just the, the decision that they made to walk in a new life and you're holding them to that decision. But the put off, put on especially is the effect that the work of Christ had on their life. 
when they trusted in him and you're holding them to walk in accordance with what is true because of what Christ has done. Yeah. And, and, and I think Paul actually ministers the truth in the way that you've just talked about. So I think that's good. But if someone only, only is trying to pursue new obedience because of what they said they would do when they first became a Christian, that's not going to be enough gasoline to actually get them to, to go. You know, that's, I think they'll end up feeling either proud of themselves for doing better or more likely if they're like me, just fizzle out and stop trying when it's, when it stops working. Okay. Yes. 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 Uh, here, here's an important passage to teach this principle. Oh, no, here, here's another, I'm sorry, here's another way that the scripture goes at it. Though this is not in the same passage, but two different verses to show the Bible uses, talks both ways about put off, put on. Romans 13, we must put on Christ because we have put on Christ. Galatians 3 says, in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. As many of you has, were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. And so because that is true, you you are to put on the Lord Jesus, Romans 13. So if you think of the, the clothing imagery again, it, it's like you can take off the dirty clothes of sin because Jesus wore them. Jesus wore your filthy garments and he died for them. And then he was buried in them and he left them in his tomb. And he came out in these glorious new robes of resurrection righteousness. And when you put your faith in him, he says, here, here's this new life. It's yours for free. You just trust that I really did accomplish this for you. Go change into them and walk in a new life. All right, now here's Romans 6. Uh, it, this is really important, teaching this principle of sanctification, but it doesn't use put off, put on language. But, but it essentially says you've, been, you've died with Christ, and so you're, di- you're dead to sin. You've been raised with Christ. And then verse 11 says, because this is true, because you have died, you have been raised. Verse 11 says, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What does it mean? You must consider yourselves. You must, you must believe this. You must trust this. You must abide in this truth. And then after that, Romans says, so therefore, Present your members as not as uh, instruments for sin and unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. But but I think if you remember this diagram, there is something to do related to that the bottom of the pyramid. It's not just, oh, yeah, I remember that that is true, but there's a command associated with doing something with those settled truths According to Romans 6.11, you must consider yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. You must consider yourself to have put off the old man and have put on the new. The passage says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the, the old is gone, the new has come. The passage right before that says, so we don't regard anyone according to the flesh anymore. Don't regard yourself as being the old you Abide in that truth. Trust it. Con- consider that to be true. Count it to be true of yourself. In, in the meditations of your heart that you have put off, put on, and, and as you're actively trusting that, then go put forth this effort to, to actually do it. Okay. In this light, 
Putting off sin can be viewed as our need to put away our pre-Christ past. Putting off sin is, is, is putting away our pre-Christ past, or you could say renouncing our pre-salvation self. So Ephesians 4, does anyone need that still? Renounce? Renounce. Ephesians 4, the passage before put off, it says a Christian, I'm summarizing here, must consider walking in sin as something that belongs to his old self, his former life, which is no longer. And those those phrases come from the the passage. So I I think that's so um, helpful uh, for a Christian to remember I, I don't have to live this way. The old Keith did have to live in this way. But actually, I don't. And here's a, an illustration I thought of um, while I was preparing this lecture the, the first time I gave it in Sulphur Springs was my car didn't have air conditioning for a long time. Like a long time. And so I got in the habit of rolling the windows down. But then by the mercy of God my air conditioning uh, got fixed. And, and I found myself a couple weeks after that happened, I was talking to my wife on the phone and I was thinking, man, it's hot out here. And you know what I was doing? I was driving around with the windows down and the AC off. And, and I thought, wait, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> so I rolled up the windows and I turned on the AC, but I thought, oh, that's a good illustration, you know? For, for living in, living in sin. Like we, we, people have habits of sin that, that they have built up over their life as unbelievers and that they, and that even that they have maybe fallen back into, back into or maybe just into as believers. But, but they need uh, to reckon themselves. They need to count themselves that that's actually not who they are anymore. That the key the Keith that has to drive around with his windows down is dead. That's me no longer. That, that's my former life. Okay? Amen. The same thing if, if I'm like being snappy with my kids. I need to remember, wait. That for sure is, is part of the old Keith. The former Keith before I came to Christ. I don't have to live that way now. I on the I am no longer what this what this verse says. Uh, how this ver, how this passage describes unbelievers the way the the reason they live this way is because they're darkened in their understanding. I am not darkened in my understanding anymore. I don't have to live this way. It, this is it's such a, a hopeful thing, right? This is a, a, a great truth to give people hope. The old you died the moment you put your faith in Christ. It, no, it's like, you know, a zombie, it's like the living dead, you know, it's still, uh, is, is active and t- tempting you to go live the old way, but, um, it, you don't have to, to be its slave anymore because of what Christ has done. So the reason why a believer must no longer walk like the world is explained in verses in four, 17 through 19, because these are not the inner realities of a believer Again, you could walk someone through that passage and say, is this you still? No. Is this you still? No. Is this you still? No. Well, I've got good news for you. You can then put off these sins. 
as you abide in Christ. Number four. Um, emphasize the need for ongoing renewal of the mind. So Ephesians 4.22, put off the old self. 4.24, put on the new self. There's a verse in between, a blessed verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And the parallel passage in Colossians 3.10, put off, put on, also emphasizes this. It says, you have put off the old self, you have put on the new, which is being renewed in knowledge. Uh, Romans 12, 2, we're transformed by the renewal, same word, of your mind. And, and notice how important the mind is in the wider Ephesians 4 passage. That's your next blank. The Gentiles walk like they do because unbelievers give them, because of what goes on in their mind. Okay, so the passage said, unbelievers walk in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from God because of the ignorance that is in them. Mind, understanding, ignorance. They don't have a renewed mind, which is why they live like they do. Also, uh, here's another connection. The importance of the mind and the renewal of the mind. Verse 22 said the old self is corrupted by the desires of deceit. See that? And verse 24 said, the new self is created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So this all fits together as you're renewed in your mind. This enables you to put off the desires of deceit, put on the holiness of truth. Again, get very specific here. Um, help, you know, prepare truth-filled thoughts to turn to scriptures, to memorize and meditate on uh, I think you have a lot of good ideas about how to do that. But let's ask this. What truths are especially important for our minds to be continually renewed in for us to be able to put off the old man and put on the new? On the one hand, anything in the word of God counts as truth that can renew the mind. But in context, let's remember the broader context of the principle, the gospel, union with Christ, his death and resurrection, the reason that I have put off and put on and therefore can put off and put on is your mind is renewed in that way. You are building that big foundation in your heart related to the settled truths of what Christ has done. And as your mind is renewed in that, that affects the way you walk. And, and actually the verses right before put off, put on talk so much about your mind being set on Christ. Ephesians 4, 20 and 21 says we put off, put on by learning Christ, hearing about Christ, being taught in Christ as the truth is in Christ in, in, and then the put off, put on infinitives were based on that. You see that it's especially as your mind is renewed about Christ, his work, his glory the surpassing worth of knowing him that we're able to live in this new way. Walking with Christ is the only true alternative to walking like the Gentiles do. And, and similarly, I think Colossians three, the parallel, it says we, we put off and put on um, the new life as we, the beginning of the passage, as we seek and as we set our minds on things above. Oh, what things above? How pleasant the music must be in heaven. It says specifically about our union with Christ, who is there, who is returning in glory.
Now, here's, here's the next point. These core truths about Christ and our salvation and identity in him should shape the very core of who we are. And I'm getting that from, it's this interesting phrase in verse 23, renewed, not just in your minds, in the spirit of your minds. Now that's interesting. What is the spirit of your mind? In some ways, you know, the the Bible uses words spirit and mind like synonyms to refer to your whole inner person. And so I take, and and, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones kind of help shape my understanding of this. But to then to talk about the spirit of your mind, that, that's like talking about your heart of hearts. Like if your mind is the inner control center of all you do, the spirit of your mind is like the inner control center of the inner control center of all you do. The guiding truth, the, the, the bedrock desire that you have in your heart the, 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 the truth you stake your life on and live for beneath all everything else. And so it's these truths about Jesus that, that we need to have our minds renewed and, and put so, go such, so to the core of the way that we think about ourselves and about what we want to do with our lives that, that it actually affects the way that we think about everything else. And the way that our desires are shaped for everything else. So these passages that, that is like biblical counseling 101, we live not to please the Lord, but to please ourselves. Whether we at home or away, we make it our ambition to please him. Or right after that in 2 Corinthians 5, so Jesus died and was raised so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but for him. Those core truths, what Jesus did for me, so I'm living for him instead of for myself. You need to get a core truth like that in the very spirit of your mind that that guides all of your other thoughts about everything else. Okay. Lastly, uh, be renewed. Okay. Um, The passive form of this verb implies this ongoing mind renewal is ultimately the work of God, but we must pursue it. So... um, We're changed by God's grace. God uses means to change us. The ordinary means of grace, the word of God, is is the first one. Okay. See the need for the body of Christ in an individual Christian's putting off and putting on. And I'm especially getting this point, um, you know, not just because I love the church and I pastor one, though I do love the church and pastor one, but from the wider context of Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. So consider the context of this passage about putting off and putting on. It's sandwiched in between verses about Christians speaking the truth to one another as members of the body for building up. So 4, 15, and 16 talks about speaking the truth in love. We grow up in every way to him as the head. And, and verse 16 says that the body of Christ grows when each part is working properly, doing this one another word ministry. The whole body is growing Together, Then it says, put off, put on. And then right after that, verse 25 sounds this same note. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? Well, the same theology, because we're the body of Christ together. We're members of one another. So, so I think you see the wider context. You need to put off, put on by way of the renewal of your mind. Well, how does that happen? 
in part it happens as you're a part of a church where people are speaking the truth in love to one another. Which is what it says before and after this passage. So God's design is we will grow in Christ likeness as the whole body grows in Christ likeness, especially as believers speak the truth of Jesus to one another. You you can't put off the old self and put on the new very well unless you're growing as part of the whole body of Christ that's growing together. And and here's some other connections. Uh, God God will renew the spirit of your mind for I'm sorry, I explained this idea, but here's the blank. God will renew the spirit of your mind for power to walk like the new self through this one another word ministry in the body. Again, this is, I'm just trying to pay attention to the wider context of the passage. So here's some connections. The members of the body speak the truth to each other. And verse 24 said, the new self is created in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. The wider passage said, the body grows up. When we do, we are able to stand firm against deceit. And the old self is corrupt through the desires of the deceit. See, see the essential nature of the active word ministry of the church to actually uh, apply these, these put off, put on principles and have our mind renewed in the truth, putting off the deceit that would lead us to walk like our former selves. Okay, in the original language, verse 17 begins with a therefore, which makes this logical connection. We should connect this put off, put on passage to what came before. Here it is. We must not live like the Gentiles or the world because we are part of the body and, and the whole body grows when each part is working properly. So here's, here's my restatement of that in your notes. So when we think about Christians growing, we must recognize our need for and our responsibility for the rest of the body. Recognize our need for and our responsibility for the rest of the body. The Christ-like growth and change God wants to work in us is to make us people who are deeply invested in the growth and change of other Christians. Your counselee, this, this is one of the big put-ons they need to put on, is moving from just being so concerned about how they need to grow and working for that to becoming very concerned and working for how other Christians need to grow and trying to minister the truth to them. Um, I've got a, a personal testimony in this regard. Uh, I became a Christian in early college, and some of the yeah some of the sins of my former life, as is typical, followed me into uh, my new Christian life. And you know, I, I battled against this sin kind of unsuccessfully. These sins unsuccessfully, but but I remember having this wow moment. I don't know how maybe. Two, one year, two years, sometime into my Christian life, I had a thought about one of these sins that was really dominating my life. I thought to myself, whoa, I haven't done that in a long time. I haven't even thought about it. I mean, it's like off the radar. I'm not even fighting against temptation for it. Is What happened? As I reflected, like, what, what am I doing with my time now? I am, what am I thinking about? I'm trying to minister to others. I'm trying to have Bible studies with other college students. I'm trying to, to listen to sermons and take notes. I'm, you know, I'm trying to um, evangelize my classmates. And as I put on this, this just desire to be a part of the church and to see other people grow, I found 
not because I studied this passage and found out that this is how it worked, but just anecdotally, that as I, as I tried to minister to others and help them grow, I, I just grew. I didn't even recognize it. And, and so I think if you minister the put off, put on verses in this wider passage of our responsibility for other Christians, uh, God can use, uh, you know, that, that same, um, that same, uh, spiritual reality to help others grow as well. All right. Well, it is 9.58. So does anyone have a question? Yes. How far? Uh, an authority that I give? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, any, any, I think. I do recommend doing that. Yeah. Be, be, yeah. And that's part of the way that their mind will be renewed. Yes. So I do recommend that. To, as far as teaching the actual principle, I, I use Romans 6 a lot. And then I apply that to a bunch of specific issues. That, but I would also want to find scriptures about the specific issues. Yeah. Yeah, good question. If I didn't answer it, let's chat more in the, no, during the break. Good. Okay. I, just, okay. I didn't know how far you push your counseling to get them thinking, hey, am I doing something to God? I'm not, I'm not just doing something to other people. I'm actually doing something oh. to God. Oh, yeah, that's got to be. Yeah, I think, I think you've got to do that real early. Um, like David said, against you and you alone have I sinned. Yeah, 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 good, good thought. Any other questions? Okay, well, enjoy your full 15-minute break.